Uh, this morning we are talking about the legacy of a king, and I always enjoy this time of year because it's a time of year when we reflect back and think about and take stock of our life, our past year, what we want to accomplish, maybe what we've accomplished or haven't accomplished, what we want to happen in 2024. And so whenever we come to an end of something, it's always good to reflect, right? To look back and say, okay, this is what I did, or this is what happened, or here are some joys that happened. And then to look forward to what's to come, things we want to see happen or accomplish. And and that happens not only this time of year when it's December 31st and tomorrow's the new year. That's even looking on Facebook today and people talking about goals and how many books they want to read, different things like that. But it happens in a lot of different aspects. Sports is one of them. Iowa State bowl game ended two days ago, and you could jump on Facebook and you could see people talking about, well, let's reflect on this past year. And, you know, there was some disappointment, but there was people talking about, oh, all these all these people that they lost and people that, you know, the gambling uh, thing that it was end up being a really good year. And then you look ahead and people excited about, okay, we got 20 underclassmen that were playing. And so there's this sense of looking forward to what's next. And you got Iowa who probably get destroyed tomorrow and has the worst offense ever created. And, you know, so there's not much to look forward to as a Hawkeye fan. And so that's the kind of thing when we think about the end of something and looking forward to what's next as we sit back and we reflect. And so as I think about turning the page of 2023 and looking to 2024, I think about this idea of legacy. And it's a word that I always appreciate as I look at it because I myself think about, okay, what, what kind of legacy am I going to leave? What kind of impact will I have on my family and my friends for the kingdom of God and the lives around me? Because I, I want that to, to, to be a driving force in my life. And it's so easy to go through the motions and do this or do that and not really sit back and reflect. And so this morning, we want to talk about this idea of legacy, a legacy in our own life, but then also look to the legacy that others have left. And specifically, we're going to look at a few kings. And that's why the title of the message this morning is The Legacy of a King. And so as we think back and we reflect, I want to share a few verses before we do it. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run a race in such a way as to get the prize. Now, I have my list in here of my 2023 goals. I I love writing them out. It was not something I did until about five years ago. And I have, you know, my physical goals, my work goals, uh, spiritual goals, family goals, all in here of things I wanted to accomplish. And one of them was to run a 5K. Now, that's not much for someone who's a runner, but I am not a runner. And so I'm like, I'm going to start running and I'm going to do this 5K. And so I wanted this plan to run a 5K because, you know, a goal without a plan is just a wish, right? Like if I want to actually have this plan and this, or this goal is I need a plan to accomplish this. So I'm like, I'm going to be a runner. So I, I figured I could do a mile. So I started running. And every day, I was going to run three times a week. And so I, you, you notice already I didn't accomplish this. But I, I was, I was going to run three times a week, and I was going to add 0.02 miles to every run. So it would be a mile, then it would be point, or 1.02, then 1.04, because I knew I couldn't just come out and run a 5K because I would die. 
and I didn't want to do that. So I began to run, and I did, you know, one mile, then I did 1.02 and 1.04, and I kept adding to it uh, because I wanted this plan to be able to run this mile. And I don't know what I ended up getting to, but I got plantar fasciitis in my foot. And so I quit with that goal. But I, I did accomplish, as I look back on this list quite a bit, but this idea that Paul is telling us is like, okay, we're going to run a race, and we need to run it in such a way as to get a prize. And he's talking about our lives here, obviously. It's, not, it's much more than this physical race, but that our lives are a race, and we need to run it in such a way as to get the prize. And we're going to uh, see later on that we need to run in such a way with perseverance, right? Because if we start sprinting, it'd be like me. I take off, and I want to run this 5K, and if I try to do that day one, guess what's going to happen? My planter might be okay, but I'll probably keel over and die. My heart's probably going to fail me because I am not going to be able to run. And so this idea of perseverance, uh, this idea of, okay, day by day. And so as I think about running the race, Paul's illustration to us is to think about that. Like, okay, here's what we want to accomplish. Here's this race we're supposed to be running. And what are the things we need to do? And as I build out this idea and I build out this plan, because a, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Well, what, what happens in that? Well, t- think about the spiritual disciplines. You know, I need to begin to build a plan for my life of prayer, that I'm spending time in, uh, throughout the day in prayer. I need to spend time in med- uh, meditation. I need to spend time reading His Word. I need to spend time listening His Word. I need to spend time uh, uh, studying studying His Word. I need to spend time in fellowship with other people, like-minded people that have a desire to see the kingdom of God grow. Like, these are things that I need to have in my life. And it's good to just say, you know what, in 2024, I am going to live for God. I'm going to do some great things for God. But then, how do I accomplish that? And I think it's important. Like, I'm I'm a big planner. I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big uh, goal guy, but I know that if I want to accomplish these goals, I got to start doing this. So like in our work, we'll meet with agents all the time who, you know, they want to sell a certain number of homes. Oh, that's great. It's great to have a, a goal, but we need a plan to accomplish that. In the same way in our, our, our spiritual lives, like, hey, I want to pursue the things of, of God. I want to pursue the kingdom. That's great. But how do we do that? How do we do that on a daily basis? How do we do that on a weekly basis? How do we do that in our lives so that we can grow So we can, like Paul tells us, hey, run the race in such a way as to get the prize. We know it ultimately comes back, uh, if you read Ephesians 4, 1, it says, live your life worthy of the calling you have received. And what we're told here, and what Paul wants to remind us of, this race that we're running, there's a reason we're running it, right? I'm not just doing it so I can accomplish good things and do good things and people can like me and people can think I'm such a good guy. I'm doing it because of what Jesus has done for me. And Paul tells us, Ephesians 4.1, run the race, live your life in such a way that reflects what Jesus has done for us, worthy of the calling you receive. See, God, through his son Jesus, has done this incredible thing. He's given us new life in his son Jesus. And as I think about, okay, goals and purpose, it all reflects around this, right? It all reflects around the fact that Jesus gave his life up for me, that Jesus went to the cross for me, and it's, it's that reason and that purpose that drives me, that I want to have this plan and this purpose, and I want to accomplish these things, and I want to live my life 
in a way that's worthy. I want to run for this prize because, first, of what Jesus has done for me. And this love that drives me, not this idea of duty or guilt, but a, a true love for Jesus and what he has done that drives me. And so you sit back and you look, and 2023 is over, and I'm looking back, and I say, okay, I need to take stock in my life. I need to reflect on my life. And at the end of something, it always causes us to look back and reflect. I think end of life is one of the greatest places this takes place. Ecclesiastes uh, 3.2 tells us there is a time to be born and there is a time to die, right? And it's, it's amazing at the end of something, especially at the end of something like that, we look back and we reflect. And you can look at a tombstone and there's some things on a tombstone you're going to see, right? What are some of those things you see? You see a birth date and then you see a death date and then maybe there's some sort of slogan on there or whatever else. But in the middle of that day we're born and that day we die is that little dash. And that, that's what Paul is talking about. That, run, that race that we're running, that life that we're living, that's what matters, right? Because all of us have been assigned, you're here today, you were assigned a day that you were born, and all of us are going to be assigned a day that we die. And we don't know that right? We know the day we're born. We don't know that day is gonna, that we're going to die. Some of us, it could be many years off. Some of us, it could be soon. And some of us that think it could be many years off, it could be soon. We don't know. But we all have been assigned a day that we are going to die. The question then, and Paul wants to challenge us with, is what do we do with that dash? What do we do with the time that we've been given, this life that we're to live? Uh, there's a, a, from Lord of the Rings, there's a scene where Frodo is talking to Gandalf, and he's upset. And if you've ever seen the movie, incredible movie, but, but he's talking about the ring, and he's like, man, I wish this ring had never come to me. My life is so difficult. And Gandalf says to him, yeah, I mean, you're right. I understand that. But here's the, here's the reality. All of us have been given a time. All we have to do is decide what we do with the time that's been given to us. And that's the truth. Like, we can't control the day we're born, and we can't control the, de- the day we die, but we can decide what we're going to do with the time that has been given to us. And here's the beautiful thing, is that God has prepared good works for us to do. God has prepared a purpose and a plan for your life. So if you look at the day you were born and you look at the day you die, and you look at that dash, and that is the life I'm going to live, I, I, can, I can be excited and be encouraged by this fact that, that God has created and given me a purpose and a mission to do great things for his kingdom. Like, that's why we're created. And when I think about, oh, I'm going to set all these goals, and this, I'm going to have this purpose and this plan for 2024 and going forward, man, that's what we want to be reminded of is that God has prepared us. Uh, Galatians 1, 1.15 says, When God set me apart from birth and called me by his grace. He has set us apart from birth. And what's he set us apart for? Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. He has a plan. He has a purpose. God has put us, put us on a mission 
You know, if you, you look at our mission here at Creekside, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with him, the greatest calling we have in our life is exactly that, to lead people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. You look at the final words of Jesus, what did he say? Go into all the world, go to the ends of the earth to share this message of who Jesus is and the new life that people can have in Jesus. Like you want to look for your purpose and your plan, that's it. God has laid it out. Jesus has left us with it. This is our plan and our purpose. And he has created us to do good works. And so the question for us is then, as we think about the end, and we think about the end of 2023, and we think about moving forward to 2024, this idea of leaving a legacy. And I want to look at a few lives that have left a legacy, and I think some for the positive and maybe some that have not. And so this morning, as we talk about the legacy of a king, I want to look at four kings, four kings who lived a life and maybe some lessons that we can learn from them about this idea of leaving a legacy. You don't have to turn there, but if you have your Bibles, a lot of this is going to be in 2 Chronicles. And the first one is 2 Chronicles. He's found in 2 Chronicles chapters 14 through 16. And the king's name is King Asa. And I'm going to read a couple things, what it says about King Asa. First of all, King Asa, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't that a cool thing to be said about you? Did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That'd be a cool thing to have on your tombstone, right? My year born, my dash, the, the, the year I died. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. What a way to be remembered. King Asa is remembered. It says that about him. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But he did more than that. Second thing we see is he commanded the people to follow God. King Asa was in a position of leadership. He was the king. And not only did he do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, he also commanded the people to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I think most of us here have been put in a position where we have the ability to help lead other people, right? That's go back to, to what we talk about here at Creekside, our mission statement, leading people everywhere to devote a relationship with Jesus. We all have people within our lives where we may have impact on their life. So just like King Asa commanded the people to follow God, and for us, we're going to be in the same way. Like whether it's my kids, my grandkids, people at work, people at church, and within the family, friends. God has put relationships in our lives where we can be in a position to help them, leading people everywhere to that devoted relationship with Jesus. And King Asa gives us a great example of that. He commanded people to follow God. The third thing we see is he rid Judah of all other gods. Other idols that were in the land, King Asa helped rid those things. I think this is probably, in my own life, one of the biggest struggles in my life is other idols taking the place of God in my life. And that could be, that could be my family, you know, the love for my family, the time and devotion I spend with my family. It could be work. It could be money. It could be my iPhone. It could be anything that demands my time and my passion and my energy that pulls me away from my pursuit of him. That's an idol in my life. And, and those things aren't bad, right? I mean, my, my family is an amazing thing. 
And God putting those things is an amazing thing. Work can be an incredible thing. But what we're told is when we put something in place of God, over God, it becomes an idol in our life. And so I look at the story of King Asa. He rid Judah of all other gods. And you think about what I want in this pursuit of the kingdom, this pursuit of Jesus, that there would be no other idols. There would be no other gods over my God. What a great New Year's resolution that would be. And none of them are bad, right? But when they take the place of God is when they are. So Asa gives us a great example, right? He did what was right in the eyes of God. He commanded the people to follow God. He helped rid idols, rid Judah of all other gods. Incredible legacy when you look at the life of Judah. But we got to remember, like, that's, that's awesome. And there is a time we are born, and there is a time we are die, and there is the dash. But that dash is our, our entire life. And if you look at the end of King Asa's life, it shifted a little bit. And at the end of King Asa's life, you can go to chapter 16, and you can see some of the things that were said about him. It said he no longer relied on God. So here is a guy who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, that commanded the people to follow God, that rid the land of idols, yet at the end of his days, he no longer relied on God. It's a sad ending to a life, isn't it? It said he oppressed the people. The people he once commanded to follow God, now he is oppressing them. It said he was afflicted with a foot disease, and it, he no longer sought God, but instead he sought physicians. So a man who once relied on God, a, once, a man who once did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, the one, a man who once rid the land of idols, the one, a man who once commanded the people to follow God, now has gone in an opposite direction. And so it's great that we can follow and pursue God, but it, it's a marathon. We have to have perseverance in this race because we want to finish strong, don't we? We want to not only start and pursue the kingdom of God when we're young and in our youth, but at the end of our days as well. I remember uh, my uncle Jim telling me one time, and he was talking about, uh, this was several years ago now, but he's talking about, he says, Kyle, my grandkids are not going to remember when I was this young strapping man, right? When I was, had all the youth and all the energy, they're going to remember me now. And how I live my life now and how I finish is what's going to impact my grandkids, what they're going to remember me by. The legacy that I'm going to leave is what I do now, the life I live now. And that stuck with me, right? Because they don't remember when he was young. They don't remember the life he lived when he was young, but they remember him now as a grandpa. And some of us, you know, are in that stage of life. It's like, okay, the impact I have now on my kids and my grandkids and maybe great-grandkids, this is how they're going to remember me. And it's a reminder that I need to finish strong. And unlike Asa, that I would do what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of my life. Uh, uh, Hebrews 12.1, it tells us this, let us run with perseverance the race set out for us. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And unlike King Asa, like that's how we want to end, right? That I have finished, I have kept the faith, 
I have finished the race, that race with perseverance. I've told you this story before, but I remember the final days with my grandfather, Lou. And I remember going over to see him, and I started talking to him, and I was getting ready to preach a message in the book of Malachi. And so I was kind of telling him, hey, this Sunday we're going to preach in Malachi and, you know, sharing that with him. And he was at a stage, he was not going to live much longer. He could no longer speak or he couldn't speak well. And so I'm talking to him and in in the process of talking about Malachi, he opens up his Bible and he begins to show me his notes because he'd recently been studying in the book of Malachi. Here's my grandfather who's in his 90s, can no longer really speak and here, still studying the Word of God. Isn't that incredible? A, a guy who known Jesus for most of his life, had studied the Word, had pursued God, and yet still, in his 90s, what is he doing? Studying the Word, pursuing God, finishing the race, the good fight, finishing strong. And as I was talking about that and, and getting ready to leave, he, he kind of mumbles and could barely understand what he's saying, but he says, keep preaching, keep preaching. That was his encouragement to me because he wanted to finish strong. And what did he want for his grandchild? To run the race, to fight the good fight, to finish strong. What an incredible example of someone who lived, who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, not, not just in his youth, but then left this legacy for me as well. It was two days later that he passed away. And my last memory that I have is him telling me, keep preaching, keep preaching. So King Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but at the end of his days, he drifted. The second life I want to look at is King Jehoram. So King Jehoram, we'll see him a little long uh, down the road here in Second Chronicles, but King Jehoram came into power as king 16 years after King Asa. He was the grandson of King Asa. Now, there's a 16-year gap. I don't know exactly if he knew his grandfather. I'm going to guess he probably did. Uh, But he would have at least known and heard about him. And if you look at King Jehoram, when would he have known King Asa? If he knew him, he would have known him at the end of his life. Or he would have heard about him at the end of his life. He would have heard about how King Asa oppressed the people. He would have heard about how King Asa had turned away from God at the end of his life, the legacy left. And so here is grandson, and it says about King Jehoram, he did not walk in the ways of Asa. Now, this is kind of cool as well, because at the end, King Asa is still known as a man who walked with God. He didn't finish well, he didn't finish strong, but he was still known as a man who walked with God. But King Jehoram did not walk in the ways of Asa. King Jehoram, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. King Jehoram, this is 2 Chronicles 21, it said, he passed away to no one's regret. There's a tombstone, right? Kind of the opposite of King Asa. He passed away to no one's regret. Or it says in the message, there were no tears shed when he died, it was good riddance. What a legacy that he left. And so here is Jehoram, just son, grandson of Asa, and a legacy left. And Jehoram, known as, uh, as someone who did evil in the eyes of the Lord, that no one missed when he left. Wow, 
I don't want to leave that type of legacy, right? That's not how I want to be remembered as King Jehoram was remembered. The third king we want to look at, if you turn to 2 Chronicles 34, King Josiah. And a lot of people, when you say King Josiah, the first thing they're going to know is that King Josiah came to be king at the age of eight. Eight years old, King Josiah became the king. Pretty incredible. I got a nine-year-old right there, Emery. Would you be ready to be king? She's not. That's a tall task for an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old to become king. Wow. But here's a pretty cool thing. If you look at the life of Josiah, it says some pretty amazing things about him. Age of eight, right? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Here was a leader, even at the age of eight, did right in the eyes of the Lord. Walked in the ways of his father, not turning to the right or to the left. Not turning to the right or to the left. He was single-minded in his purpose, right? Uh, you read in the psalm, give me an undivided heart. Like Josiah comes to picture as a man, he wasn't swayed right or left. He wanted the things of God, the things of the kingdom. He was un- walked in the ways of his father, but he had complete dedication, didn't turn to the right or to the left. I love the picture in uh, Luke 14 where Jesus is talking, and he's talking to this person, and he says, you must hate your father and mother if you're going to follow me. And it seems like a strange thing, but what he's saying? He's saying in comparison to your dedication to me and to the kingdom, anything else is going to seem like you hate it because you love me so much. Because you desire and you follow me, you don't turn to the right or to the left. Everything else of this world, it's going to look like you hate it because of your dedication to me. And Josiah strikes me as that type of individual that had such a love and devotion to God that everything else, man, looked like he hated. That's a legacy. Nothing more than is uh, important than his pursuit of God. Josiah found the book of the law and wanted people to follow it. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. Isn't that cool? So we, we saw it earlier with Asa, like, hey, he commanded people to follow God. But, but Josiah found the book of the law and wanted people to follow it. It was probably taught. It was probably preached. People knew it was read to them that they understood what the law was. And as long as Josiah lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord of the God of their fathers. Now, that's a legacy. Not only did Josiah follow God, not only did Josiah not turn to the right or to the left, he was singular in his purpose and the pursuit of the kingdom, but others did because of his leadership. What a crazy and amazing young man that was, that single-focused-minded to follow God, to follow his kingdom. He left a legacy, and because of this legacy that he left, What'd that cause other people to do? To follow God, to pursue God. I, I was reading a story about 
Jonathan Edwards, and if you know Jonathan Edwards, a great preacher, and this was talking about this idea of a legacy, and you think back to Asa and how he didn't finish strong, and then even his grandson did not follow God, and, and then you look at a life like Josiah, and Josiah lived for God, followed God, and because of it, other people did. And it was talking about, uh, th- this story was talking about the importance of the legacy that we live and the impact it has on our kids, but beyond our kids, generations to come. And so this, the, there was this study done of Jonathan Edwards and his descendants. At the same time, there was a man named Max Jukes that lived during the time of Jonathan Edwards, and the study had shown because they started uh, following his descendants and how many people were in the prison system. And so they looked at the life of Jonathan Edwards, and they looked at the life of Max Jukes, and you talk about legacy, and legacy can be positive or, or negative, but this was, the, this was the impact of their two lives. Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest minds that God has given America, lived in the state of New York. He was a Christian and believed in Christian training. He married a girl of like character. From this union, men have studied 729 descendants. Of this number, 300 became preachers, 65 college professors, 17, or 13 university presidents, 60 authors of good books, three United States congressmen, one vice president of the United States, uh, and, and it goes on. Is that an incredible legacy? Here's a man who pursued God, pursued the things of God, and yet there's a legacy, descendants of people who followed God, a legacy left, an example left, and because of it, others followed. On the other side of it, Max Jukes lived in the same state, He did not believe in Christian training, and he married a girl of like character. Careful who you marry. From this union, men have studied 1,026 descendants. 300 of them died prematurely. 100, over 100, were sent to prison for an average of 13 years. 190 were public prostitutes. There were over 100 who were drunkards. And it's estimated that the family cost the state of New York over $1.2 million. That's the contrast, isn't it? The legacy of a guy like Jonathan Edwards or the legacy of a guy like Max Jukes. Like we all have a legacy to live, right? We have, all have a legacy to leave. And what we do in this life and how we live our life and the pursuit of the kingdom is going to have an impact not only those around us today, but for generations to come. And so the question will be, what do we do with that dash? We're all appointed a time to be born, all appointed a time to die. The last king is King Jesus, the King of kings. And we have an opportunity this morning to remember what he has done. And this past week, we remembered his birth right? That the king of kings became a man. The king of kings emptied himself, became a man, ultimately goes to the cross, body broken. He was mocked. He was spit on. They threw a crown of thorns on him. His body was broken and his blood shed. He gave his life up for me, for you, so that we could know what it's like to have life and life abundant. 
And no greater legacy has been left than the legacy of the King of Kings. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. God, we, we look to him as we reflect on this past year and our lives and the legacy that we have or have not left. God, we want to remember that you've given us only one life. We want to remember that dash. We want to remember the words of Paul, God, that this is a race, and we want to run in such a way as to get the prize. And God, not, not because we want to be motivated by some sense of duty that we need to get this done or work hard to get this some done, but we want to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. We want to live a life worthy that Jesus has given, that his life given up for us, that his blood was shed, his body broken, that the King of Kings would go to the cross, would take our sin and our shame, take it all upon himself so that we could live, that we could have a life, a life abundant. What a legacy that has been left. God, cause that to be our motivation to leave our own legacy, that we would pursue the things of God, that we would pursue Jesus above everything else. It's in his name we pray.